Hi, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Minding Mind podcast with Evelyn Labasser. And you know, here in this community, we are all about minding our business, not in the nosy sense, but getting intuitive, trusting your gut, learning to listen to what makes your heart light up, follow your joy, your desires, and release yourself from everyone else's expectations because they were never yours to begin with. And today, I am super excited to announce my first guest, Latoya Matthews, who I adore, and you will adore too by the end of this episode. I'm going to give you a little introduction to who she is, and then you'll get to know who she really is from her own mouth in just a few minutes. So Latoya Matthews is a grace-filled healing coach and speaker who has earned a reputation as a beacon of hope for leading women who have experienced abortion from shame and self-condemnation to wholeness and freedom. After taking her own traumatic solo healing journey, Latoya is on a mission to unravel the shackles of guilt, pain, and regret that bind countless other women. Those whose lives have been radically transformed by Latoya's anointed message of hope and restoration fondly refer to her as the underground railroad of freedom for wounded women. Girl, let me just tell you, just speaking those words makes me feel lifted, right? Wow. It makes me feel impacted already. Just being able to know that you're help I mean, to help women with shame and wounds and find emotional freedom, like that's the goal for everyone, right? That's the goal. And yeah. I, I love to know you and that's all I can say. <laughs> so welcome. I love to know you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to chat. So, I mean, we can get into all of this, but I would like, before we get into our conversation, why don't you go ahead and tell us in your words a little bit about you and, and what kind of led you to this work? Yeah. Well, my name is D. Latoya Matthews. D. Okay. The D. one and only Latoya Matthews. That's okay. Right. <laughs> and I'm originally from Mississippi, but I live in Georgia. I have lived here for 17 years now. So I'm an official Georgia peach. So I'm official. Okay. And I'll, I am married to a handsome man named Rod. We've been together for 20 years, married 17. And we have a 16-year-old daughter as well as a son who's 21 and my bonus son. And so we, you know, we're just moving forward in God. And how I got here is 20 years ago in 2003. This year was 20 years ago, which I can't even believe. It's just been, you know, quite a ride. But 2003, I had just graduated high school and I had moved to this new city and met my now husband. And so I was dating him. And I was, you know, was doing things, but in my mind, I was still being naive about it, you know, being an 18 year old, being naive. It's not gonna but happen to me. Happened to me. Like it happened to all my other friends that I knew, but not to me. I'm special. <laughs> right. I'm special. And then it happened. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling tired, but I thought it was because I was staying up late because my husband at the time was a police officer. And so I was staying up late with him. He was working like 7, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., you know, yeah. those hours. And so, and my cousin had also been making fun of me as well about how I was sleeping a lot, but I didn't think anything of it until my grandmother's friend saw me in a grocery store and she was like, oh, you're glowing. 
And she was like, you know, there's some things here and you're pregnant. And I looked at her and I laughed and I was like, huh? Like, no, I'm not. But in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh. So I went to the health department and I'm sitting there and I take the test and she comes back and she says, you're pregnant. And I'm like, I zoned out. I don't even remember anything that she said after that. And it was just pretty much womp, 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 womp. That's what I heard. But in my mind, I was like, this can't be happening. Like, I'm still in denial about this because I'm like, I just moved to this new city. My then coach had called me and he had gotten, he had been talking to coaches and had gotten me a tennis scholarship. And I had also had people looking out for me in the town that I had moved in. And I also had a basketball scholarship. And in my mind, I'm like, these are the things that are going to get me out of Mississippi. Like, this is my ticket out because I just felt like Mississippi wasn't my home anymore. And so in my mind, I'm just like, like, this can't be happening. Like, I don't have space. I don't have room for a kid right now. And no offense to anyone. But at the same time, I was like, I don't want to be that individual who's on welfare or getting support from, you know, the system. And I felt like I already didn't have a great relationship with my mom. And so it was just like all of these things that I told myself and I was like, like, I can't do it. And I chose to have an abortion. And even in that moment, I don't even know where that came from because I had never even heard of abortion Mm. because my aunts and everybody I knew when you had, when you got pregnant, you had the kid. Mm -hmm. And so I had never even heard of it. So I don't even know how that was even presented to me, but it sounded good to me. It sounded like the best decision that I could make for myself at that time. And so I made the appointment and we pull up at the abortion clinic and there's people outside protesting and I'm walking in, I have my head held low because I'm like, I don't want anyone to see my face, you know, like someone's going to know me. But I walk in, fill out the paperwork, and they call me to the back. And so um, I'm laying on the table, and I just want to give a trigger warning for anybody that may have experienced this before, because my experience is not with a pill, it's with the actual vacuum. Mm -hmm. And so I'm laying on the table, and I'm looking around the room, and I see these jars that are are lining the wall. And I hear the whirl of the vacuum, and... At that moment, I had my abortion and my mind immediately went to my baby's in one of those jars now. Mm -hmm. And so I go to the recovery room and I sit there for a minute and it's like a dimly room just so I can recover. And I walk back outside and my boyfriend's waiting for me in his truck. And it's just like this awkward silence. But immediately we went what we came to do, which was take me school shopping to prepare for college. So immediately after my abortion, I went school shopping and nothing else, you know, was said during that time. We did what we came to do. And I went back to my aunt's house because I was staying with my aunt at the time. And so I take my stuff out of his truck and I go back to that back room. And immediately it was like the end of the business of the day had ended. And in that moment, I just remember sitting on that bed and I just broke down crying. It was like the dam had broken. And I I repeatedly questioned, God, what did I just do? What did I just do? 
And he must have been feeling the weight of it as well because he came, he called and he came to pick me up. And I just remember getting in the truck and we went to this, just this isolated place so that we could talk. And I just remember crawling in his lap and just crying on his shoulder, just sobbing because it was just like, like, oh my God, like what just happened? And so from that moment on, from 2003, 2006, I graduated from college and I moved to Georgia. And that's where the healing journey kind of began shortly, sometime after that. So from 2003, so about a decade, 2013 is when I finally got a breakthrough. And it was like from that night of 2003 up into 2013, I prayed every night that God would forgive me for what I had done. So I did the math on that. And the number of minutes over a decade is 5,200,000 and something thousand, 600 minutes. So it was like, that is a long time to be imprisoned in that guilt and shame. Like, that's a lot. And so I, I was going to church, still wearing this guilt, still wearing the shame, still wearing, you know, regret showing up, you know, in church trying to build this relationship. But it was hard because of the way I felt about myself. Mm -hmm. And so my now pastor introduced us to this book called The True Measure of a Woman by Lisa Bevere. Mm -hmm. And in chapter two, at the end of each chapter, there's questions that she wants you to answer. And so there was two questions there. And the first question was, what is it that you have in your closet that you need to clean out? And I knew at that moment that it was God telling me that I needed to clean out abortion, mm -hmm. like that I had been letting it sit in my closet for a long time. And we as women know we have those clothes that sit in our closet for years, right, that we say we're going to get to, but we never get to it. And that's how abortion was for me. It was just sitting in my closet waiting for me to clean it out only when I had the courage to do so. And so in that second question was, what is it that you have a value to offer to someone else? And immediately I broke down because in that moment, I said, I have nothing of value to offer anyone else. And I said, God, how could you make me with no purpose? Like, how could you create me knowing that I had nothing to give to no one else? Because that's how I felt and that's how I allowed the enemy, you know, to keep me in this prison of shame. Mm -hmm. And so we meet back up to have the discussion about the book. And I'm like, I don't want to have to say this because who else is talking about this? I've never heard anybody say anything about them having an abortion or, you know, anything. Now, this and discussion, was it in a group setting or one-on-one? -on -one? It was in a group set. Okay. It was in a group setting. So it was like, these other women are gonna you know and I'm not ready for somebody to judge me or whatever but it was just like God knew that this was the moment that I needed but thankfully it was just a, a handful of women so it wasn't like a lot of women that I had to tell this in front of and I told her about the abortion and I told her how I had prayed every day that God would forgive me and she said sweetie God forgave you the very first time that you prayed and that was a gift that I didn't know that I needed because what she didn't know was I had had this pain in my stomach as a reminder of what I had done. And it was this sharp pain that would come every now and then as a like, this is what you're going to have to live with because of the decision that you made. But when she said that, it was like the gift of forgiveness that I didn't know I needed. And from that moment on, I never had that pain in my stomach. 
ever again. Wow. Because now it's like I realized that that pain was the unforgiveness that I was holding against myself and keeping me in that place almost as if you deserve this pain. So this is what you're going to have to live with. Yeah. You did this. Now you suffer. You did this. Now you suffer. But her words were the key to open that prison door for me to walk out of. And it just, it was just like a weight lifted off, like this burden that was just lifted off of me. And it started my journey to really growing in intimacy with God and just really walking this healing journey out, just knowing that I am forgiven and asking God to give me eyes to see myself as he sees me, mm-hmm. you know, and just really recognizing that I am deserving, even though I, I've done this, God's mercy and grace says that I still deserve the good things that he has for me. Mm-hmm. And then so it was like, okay, we're here now, you know, we're walking this thing out. And then there's this still small voice that, that you know, that small quiet voice. And it was like, it's time to tell your story. And I'm like, say what now? Now you was this conversation what? with the pastor, was that the first time you'd ever spoken your story out loud? Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. And now, okay, now it's time to share. Now it's time to share. Like a couple of years after it was like, now it's time to share. So I'm like, you know, what they, you know, what they say now, find somebody else to do it. Like, I don't, I don't want the judgment. I don't want the ridicule. Like I've said it in front of a couple of people. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. But he was like, no, it's time for you to tell your story. So instead of me telling the story, I chose to do image consulting because that was my way of you know, kind of stepping out, but not really telling the story, Mm -hmm. but nothing was happening. But in 2018, the voice started getting louder. And then in 2000, I went to Confidence Activated with Rachel Luna. Mm -hmm. And that's where I had the opportunity. I found the courage from somewhere because I'm like, I'm not getting up. But Holy Spirit was like, get up and ask this question. So I got up and said, how do you incorporate something so taboo into business? And I began to tell my abortion story. And Tiffany Montgomery was just like, you just tell the story. Point blank, period. Just tell the story. And I had heard my business coach tell me that before, but I was like, maybe there's another way to do this instead of having to tell the story. And after I asked that question, I immediately ran out the room because I was like, what did I just do? And thankfully, there was another vendor there because I was a vendor and she met me and allowed me to cry on her shoulder. And after that, I was met with so many women that said, thank you for being brave to share. I too have had one. Wow. And there was even women that asked me to pray for them. And this one young lady was like, can you coach? Like, do you have anything? I'm like, no, I don't have anything. Like, this was never a part of the plan. And so that happened. And then in 2019 at the Confidence Activated is where I met Patrice, Patrice Washington. And I joined her command the stage speaking because I was like, this is the opportunity for me to really know how to tell my story, to make it impact and do what God is telling me to do. So 2020, I joined command the stage to, you know, to prepare myself to tell my story. But even in that, I was telling and talking to them and she saw that I was hiding something and she called me out because I wasn't trying to say the word abortion. I was trying to skip around it. I was trying to say the pleasant, safe, you know, thing. Like I, I lost a child. You what know, can I or, say that'll get me the least amount of ridicule? Exactly. 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 Yeah. 
but but she called me out and she said own it and those two words changed changed me and changed the way I started speaking up and it helped me and I started speaking on podcasts and other platforms and these women out of nowhere just started contacting me saying hey can you help me and that's how I got to this point of of where I am now just being able to tell my story and just seeing the freedom that comes with me opening my mouth and the purpose of it and so it's kind of crazy but it was just like my abortion birth purpose in me yes yes and so it was just like even you know even in that moment of me going from a to b in this journey that i've been on it was just like the life had gotten sucked out of me and spiritually i was feeling the same thing mm -hmm. but it was like god stepped in and was like i'm gonna show you the value that you have like this is what i called you to do yeah and so that's how I got to this point. I mean, for, first of all, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that story. And I love that when I look at you and watch you speak now, you don't share that story with shame. You share it with empowerment, right? Yes, um, yes. I feel like it's such a reminder that the things that we go through that we think are going to break us are really the things that help us create a roadmap to help someone else in the same situation, um, right? Like we know our, our stories are all different. I say this is all the time. Our stories are different, but our pain is the same. Like shame is a universal feeling. We all like, we all feel that we all carry that. Yeah. And regardless of how that shame came to be, it's heavy. Yeah. It's heavy. And I love like listening to you speak and seeing that you don't wear that anymore. No. What do you think that that, or how has that changed for you? Like being able to release the shame, what did that open for you? It opened a lot of doors because when I understood when God said, you're forgiven and I've thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. And it was just like something clicked in, in me to say, well, if God isn't holding it over my head, then why am I? Why am I still holding on to it? And it was just accepting the fact that like you've been set free and every time you tell this story, chains continue to break and shame continues to diminish. And it was just like, it opened up this place to really know what true freedom feels like. And because I never knew what that freedom felt like, freedom felt foreign to me. It's like something that I had to get used to because I was used to being in that box. I was used to being you know, in that cell, just sitting and waiting and wondering when joy was going to come for me. Mm -hmm. And so it helped release um, a lot in me and even how I navigated, you know, with my daughter, because there was a lot of things there. And, you know, having a daughter, you understand it, like the things that we go through, our, our children begin to mimic those things. And I begin to see some things inside of her that was transferring, I was like, no, I need to, you know, I need to do something about this. And so, you know, just being aware and it brought a lot of awareness and also just knowing that freedom is my birthright. Yes. Like I have a right to be free. And, you know, I feel like that, that, that idea in and of itself is like, we were all born whole. Mm -hmm. We were all born whole. Shame and guilt were given to us by others. Yes right? Yeah. We carry shame and guilt and it's not even our own. Right. Um, were you able to share your story with your daughter? 
Yes. My husband asked me one day, he was like, does she know exactly what you do? Because I would take her with me when I, you know, would have events and I would talk about some of these things. And I was like, that's a good question. I don't know. So I called her down and I began to tell her, you know what? I asked her first if she knew what it was and she gave me her definition. And I told her, you know, what I've done, what I did. And so after telling her, her response was, well, thank you for choosing me. Oh my gosh. And it was like another level of God's love that I got to experience through her, that non-judgment, that grace. And it was like water to my, to my dry soul that I didn't know that I needed. So to hear her say those words, it was just like, this is what unconditional love feels like when you can share something and the response is, well, thank you for choosing me. I think that that is testament to the the, the woman that you're raising, but also like we weren't raised in the same ways where having discussions open right. were accepted, right? And I feel like just being able to have that conversation with your daughter, regardless of her response, just having the mm-hmm. conversation opens her up to the idea that communication doesn't have to be scary, that your yep. parents aren't your enemy, that making mistakes is not a death sentence, right? You're not exactly because you're not perfect. Like it's a gift and it's yes. healing you, right? Like you also gave her freedom. Yep. Yep. That's beautiful. Yep. Yes. And, and, and like you said, it did, it has opened up communication, you know, with us. And that's one thing that I have tried to strive to create with her, just a safe, space to know that she can come to me with anything because I didn't like you said I didn't feel like I had that as a as a teen as a kid and so to be able to have that with her and I think so many times as parents we overlook those small things and you know we're so focused on the big thing and what we want to do different that we don't realize the small steps that we're taking that is making a bigger impact than what we could ever you know, imagine. And so just to be able to have that with her, like you said, it is a testament and it is, you know, just something special that we get to, you know, have and create and opening up those dialogues for us to have. I love that. I feel like I talk a lot about how people talk about trauma being generational, right? Like trauma literally alters your DNA cellular level. And I love to look at the idea that healing does the same thing, right? Healing Mm -hmm. is changing your body at a cellular level. And when you share those experiences with your daughter, you're also changing her body, right? Physically, like yes, her mind and her thoughts and her mindsets, but physically she is different. She's making new pathways in her brain. She's making new connections. She is being altered by watching you live. So I love to just sit back sometimes and recognize that the work that I do, on myself changes my daughters and will then impact how many generations of women are going to be born with a foundation that's rooted in self-acceptance, comfort, and love. And the trauma doesn't have to continue. Like they are going to have a stronger foundation because I worked on me. Like exactly. Right. Like, so your work, I love that your work is, helping women find this freedom within themselves, but also it transcends that. It impacts their families. It impacts parts of their family that they don't even know yet, right? Like the work that you do creates this ripple 
that's just going to keep on going. Yes. And that's what my vision for the work that I do, the the vision that I wrote down is to be a, a catalyst for generational healing, because that's what it is about generational healing. And if I can touch one, then that one can touch another. Yes. And it's just like, it just, like you said, it, it's like a conduit. It just flows. Mm -hmm. And that, that even when you think about healing in and of itself, first of all, we know that there is no healed, there's no end way, right? Exactly. You're constantly evolving. But the fact that like healing is for us, but it's not about us. Everything that you went through shaped you yeah. for a reason. Yeah. It wasn't about you. It was about yep. what you could do for everyone else. My gosh, I love that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, I just want to go back for a moment mm -hmm. to when you said after the abortion, you went shopping and really didn't talk about anything. Like, obviously that speaks to the youth, right? The youth behind you. Mm -hmm. But at what point did you feel like you could just talk about this more openly and share with your husband? Because, you know, this was your body but it was mm -hmm. an experience for both of you. So at what point did you feel like you were able to have this communication more clearly so that you could find the, like that healing, that forgiveness for yourself and also that he could feel the same? Well, for me, I started doing it, you know, after reading that book, the communication between him and I didn't come to this year. Mm -hmm. And it came about, because we had a joint call um, where we, we talked to some couples about our experience. And after that call, and I could tell during that call that his heart was being worked on. Mm -hmm. And after that call, he said, I have to say, no, it was during the call that he realized, he said, you know, I had to ask for forgiveness in the part that I played because his his frame of thought was, it was her decision. So it didn't really have anything to do with me. But as I, and this is what I wrote down in my journal one day, was that my obedience opens up the doors for others. So in my obedience of seeking healing for myself, opened the door for my husband to also receive healing and for him to come into the awareness that even though he may not have had the abortion, but he also took me. So he played a part right. in that. And so for him to recognize that in this year, it has done something amazing and beautiful to our marriage because it, it has brought him also into purpose as well, because it was like, I had asked him to do a marriage retreat in 2022. And he was like, well, when the Lord tells me, then I'll do it. 2023 this year, we got off that call and he comes in the room and he has tears in his eyes. And he said, if this is what the Lord wants me to do, then I'll do it because I don't want another couple to go through what we've gone through. Mm -hmm. And so to see him vulnerable, you know, in that way, it was, though it took some time, the timing was perfect mm -hmm. because now he's in a place where it really impacts and hit him hits him in a different way than it previously did mm -hmm. and he's constantly always I'm sorry for what you know for the part that I played I'm sorry for um also playing a part in your trauma 
And so for him to acknowledge that is like, it's the, the perfect opportunity, even though I started way before he did, but studies have always also shown that it takes me years before they're able to heal from something like that, because they're always in the process of making sure that the significant other is taken care of and not worried about themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, at the right time now we're having these conversations and realizing that you know we have come a long way and it's just like we're we're teens again but in the best way possible you know being able to have that puppy dog love and be able to discover and rediscover some things about each other I mean you would have to think for 20 years being together and carrying that burden, right? It takes up mm -hmm. so much space mentally and emotionally that that puppy dog feeling doesn't fit. Yeah. There's no room for it because there's yeah. so much heaviness instead. And being able to release that was like, again, freedom for both of you. Mm -hmm. And I love that he took the time to recognize and be aware of what he was feeling too, because men aren't really given permission to feel. No. You know, yeah. they're, not, they're not really is carried in right. silence for everybody. Exactly. Right. So I love that now, you know, it's like the work that you're doing impacting women, but also now he has his hand in helping men release mm -hmm. some of what they're feeling. So like, gosh, we're talking about transcending relationships and marriage and households. Yeah. That's just for everybody. And it was also, we didn't have the opportunity to discuss either because my husband has always worked two jobs. But this year, he finally acknowledged that him working those jobs were also him not being at home to look at the pain that I was in. That was his out so that he didn't have to deal, you know, with that. And so hearing him also acknowledge that, hey, I couldn't be there looking at you because I didn't know how to help. I didn't know, you know, what to do. So working was his thing. Mm -hmm. Distraction. It's a, it's a distraction. And so now it's like, he, he's come to the understanding, you know, we have to have the tough conversations. We have to face things head on. And, you know, he's down to one, you know, not being distracted by multiple things, mm -hmm. but he's present. Yes. A beautiful like, thing. He's finally open to mm -hmm. the next level connection. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, th the beautiful part is that your connection is like rooted in um, forgiveness. Yeah. Like what a beautiful place to restart. Yep. So beautiful. I love that. I love that for you. I love that for you. Thank you. How at this point do you help women? Like if I were someone who came to you and said, Latoya, this is what I'm going through and I need help. I can't get past this. Like, you know, what kind, maybe like what kind of steps do you take them through? How do you reach them? So in, I have a program called the free woman program. Okay. And in that we go through eight weeks and we talk about the five pillars of freedom, which is the power of peace, personal identity, pattern breaking, permission to dream, and the practicing healthy habits. And so, cause I believe that those are the five things that got me to where I am, you know, because you, you, you don't have power if you don't have peace. When you have peace, that's, that's when you have power because you have the energy, you have the strength, you have the stamina to work through the hard things. And when you know who you are, you can stand and 
you can take authority over the things that have tried to consume you and kill you. Right. And so through that personal identity, you get to affirm and confirm who you are and who you were created to be. And so and then in pattern breaking, we go through and talk about those things that have been holding you back Mm -hmm. and really come face to face, writing down the I am negative statements, because we know we always have those. Well, I am fat. Mm -hmm. I am scary. I'm fearful, you know, all these things. So I have them to write down these I am negative statements. And then we counter it with what I call prescription affirmations, taking the word of God and making scripture affirmations. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we go through permission to dream because when we go through shame and when we go through something traumatic, we automatically think that that diminishes or cancels the dream that we have. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I like to say is, is that you can live life and heal at the same time. It doesn't have to be exclusive because doing what you love is healing. That is the truth. That is the truth. It's bringing healing to you. Mm-hmm. And then practicing those healthy habits, because the habits that you have today, they're either going to hinder or empower you. Mm-hmm. And there's a proverb that says bad habits are like a comfortable bed, easy to get into, but hard to get out of. Mm-hmm. You know, you you've been in a comfortable bed and it's like, I don't feel like getting up today. <laughs> you lay there <laughs> and you hit snooze like five more times. Right. But it's just really going through those habits that's going to get you to the life that you desire and allowing yourself to really dream and know what's possible for you. Beautiful. Beautiful. And so we start there. And if you're married, I also have the husband to come on because you're going to need support. You're going to need encouragement when those times come and you feel like giving up, but your accountability, your spouse is going to be that physical therapist. You know, we don't like the physical therapist because they're going to stretch us. They're mm-hmm. going to push us. They're going to make us do the hard work because they see the healing, the end goal of what's to come. And our spouses can see, you know, what's in the end for us. And so holding us accountable and knowing that and having her to know that you support her on this journey, because there's there's something empowering in knowing that your spouse supports you in this healing journey. Do you ever find resistance from spouses? Not really, but I, and I let them know if if you want this to work, then you're going to have to support her, <laughs> you know, or else I'm going to be finding out that you've gone to divorce court because she's found out who she is and she has no longer, she's not putting up with your foolishness. Don't be blaming me because I just helped her do what you were supposed to help her do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I love that. I love the idea that, you know, this person can take just responsibility of being mm-hmm. like her pillow. Like yeah. I'm here, I'm here, yeah. I see you, I hear you, I'm with you. I need that soft place yeah. to land. Yeah. Yes, that, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I love that they're willing participants. Beautiful. So tell me a little bit about the retreat you just had. So we just had a marriage retreat called the Married and Free Retreat. And so it was for couples who've experienced reproductive loss, but we also had some couples who had not. But it was just a time for us to come together and be able to connect with our spouses. We had an adult prom. We had a vow renewal service. It was just, you know, being able to have fun and have those hard, uncomfortable conversations of things that just need to be put out so that there can be reconnection. Mm -hmm. Because we know that every day we're going to work and there's so often sometimes this disconnect 
And so it was just us coming together and being around couples that wanted to be around other couples Mm -hmm. and knowing that we're not going through this alone. We're all going through something, you know? And so it was just really a beautiful time and just seeing couples laugh together and seeing the fire being reignited and the joy and, you know, the communication. And so it was just such a beautiful free time. Oh my gosh. I love that so much because I feel like you're also breaking patterns in marriages where people get comfortable just feeling stagnant, feeling like they're on autopilot, Mm -hmm. going through the motions and accepting that that's just the way it is. Because some people believe once you're together for a long time, that's just the way it has to be. That's just the way it is. Exactly. And then we tend, we celebrate like the fact that we stay together longer, even though we're longer and unhappy. Right. Right. So I love that like you're making a whole pattern disrupt there and just showing them like, I don't care how long you've been together. I don't care what you've been through. This is still in you. Yes. And mm-hmm. we wanted to do the adult prom because nine times out of 10, you didn't marry your high school sweetheart. So to go to prom together and make that memory, you know, together is something, you know, very special. So yeah. it, it was like we had them to send in songs that they wanted to put on the playlist. And it was just just a night of dancing, you know, having fun. Sounds like a time was had. Yes, yes. <laughs> time was amazing. <laughs> amazing. Is there anything else you'd like to add for our listeners? Yeah. Well, I have written a book called Unveil Freedom, My Journey to Removing the Burden of Shame After Abortion. And it's not just for people who experienced abortion, but it's also for people who experienced shame. Mm-hmm. And so in this it's, it's my memoir is very personal and dear to my heart because I share a lot of transparent, you know, a lot of raw things, things that people didn't know about me. I share in this because the only way that we can break shame is by speaking. Right. And, you know, bringing it from the darkness and into the light. And so I've written this book and I'm excited. It is out. And it's just so, you know, so much is my first book. And I just feel accomplished. And one thing that I wrote down in my journal, writing after writing this book, I said, I have finished something. Mm -hmm. And that means more to me than any book sale, Mm -hmm. just to be able to complete something. Because when you're a woman who've experienced abortion, you abort a lot of things. There's a lot of things that go unfinished. And so for me, it was another way of me showing my abortion that you did not rule me, I am going to finish what I started. Mm -hmm. And so to to be able to do that means more to me than any book that would ever be sold. Because it was, I knew that I was dependent on this, but I'm also walking in obedience of what I've been asked to do. So to finish it and be obedient, like that, that means a lot. And to have my husband and my daughter to be an encouragement, I was showing up to the coffee shop and my daughter would come to me, come with me. And then afterwards, I would take her to school. So that was like the cherry on top mm-hmm. of her going with me. And she's like, I like this, you know, I'm being productive as well. And so just having her there with me, it's just, it's just been so special. And so Unveil Freedom is not just words on pages, but a lifeline to freedom for mm-hmm. women to be able to change the narrative and be the author of their own story. Abortion doesn't have to be the author. 
you are the author and you get to change the way the story t- turns out. I think also, I feel like I'm hearing you share another beautiful lesson about sharing your words and not being tied to how they're received, right? Because mm-hmm. you can speak your story and release yourself of that shame. But if you're feeling completely overcome by how people are going to receive it, then then you're not actually free. Yeah. I feel like that's yeah. a whole other level of minding yours. Like this is your yeah. story. This is mm-hmm. your freedom. This is personal. Yeah. Have your opinion if you need to, but it doesn't change anything for me. It doesn't change. It doesn't change anything. And, and I've come to this place where it's like, you can't tell me anything that I haven't already told myself. I had 10 plus years to talk negative to myself. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell me anything that I haven't already thought or said or written down. Mm-hmm. I've had time to practice that. Okay. So, so now I, I, I can take charge of that. And what you have to say doesn't, it doesn't move me. Beautiful. Unveiled freedom. I cannot wait to buy this book and sit and read it and buy some for my sisters. And I appreciate that. I'm excited for you to have it too. Yes. Yes. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. All right. So before we wrap up, Um, I'm going to ask you to share where we can reach you and then I'm going to have you answer one question before you go. Okay. Sounds good. So tell us where we can reach you. What, where do you like to, you know, spend more of your time like online? Uh, You can find me at my website, LatoyaMatthews.com. And I am also on Facebook and Instagram at the T-H-E Latoya Matthews. And that's with one T. Yes. D Latoya Matthews. And Matthews is spelled with one T. And so I'm primarily on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. I'm going to link all of that too. So everybody knows how to find you. Click on your information, link your book, because I'm ready to read that. Um, Yes. All right. To end the Minding Mine podcast with LaToya Matthews. My question to you is, how do you feel that the work that you've done has shaped the legacy you'll leave? I feel like the work that I've done was shaped the legacy. Just being this courageous woman who was willing to share parts that other people weren't. So just being able to experience the liberation that I get to show the world, you know, with just being liberated, mm-hmm. just giving permission for other women to experience the same. There it is. There it is. In in watching you reveal your most vulnerable moments, it gives other women like a sigh of relief, truly like a sigh of relief. Yeah. Like I am not alone. I'm not alone. What a exactly. gift. What a gift you are. Ah, oh, man. Mm, thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Latoya, I am so happy that you were here today. I am so grateful that you were my first guest. And I can't <laughs> wait to share you with the world. I'm so excited about being your first guest. Like, where's the where's the confetti? <laughs> I just love you, Evelyn. I'm so appreciative and I I'm so thankful for our sisterhood and for your for your voice and for just being you. Thank you. I love you too. All right, everybody, check out Latoya on Instagram and Facebook. Get ready for that book to drop. And, you know, just keep going on and minding your business.